a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. A special edition of Inside Sources, live from the Utah State Capitol on KSL News Radio. All right, hanging out in the Supreme Court chamber at the Utah State Capitol, a room that really doesn't get used for very much. To be honest, the Supreme Court pops in at the start of every term and takes a picture in here. <laughs> Other than that, it's uh, open for people to come and tour. And today we've had a few tourists yeah. pop in. To Listeners, see what stop by, come here. up to the Capitol. It's the last day of the session. Yeah. There's a lot of treats up here, Marty. Yeah, it's the most opulent studio we've ever had. And there's a little bit a of an echo, if you can hear that. Yeah, well, but, you know, we, we just deal with that challenge and, and move forward on right. the last day of the session. And so far, man, I, what a great day to just kind of have this radio row of great uh, listener or great guests coming in to tell us about what's going on. We've had the House Chief of Staff, Abby Osborne. We had uh, Spencer Stokes, who's one of the, if not the preeminent uh, lobbyist here up on the Hill, talk about how that all plays out. We've had the Speaker of the House. We so, did. So, uh, you know, so far so good today, having some really interesting conversations. Yeah. And now you have the most important guest of the entire day. <laughs> and with that, that is the perfect segue. <laughs> and then there's Lindsay. Let me introduce you, Lindsay. Lindsay Ertz is... Well, the media is an important role up here. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going on to that next element. Well, so Lindsay Ertz with KSL News Radio. I call her the intrepid uh, Lindsay Ertz. She is... Uh, Lindsay, you have had a very, very busy 45 days. Yeah. Do I get 45 days off after this? Let's. We will be sure to talk to management <laughs> about that after the show. Yep. yep. Well, tell us, what is – first of all, I want to maybe, if we can, Lindsay, I want to get personal. Uh, as a reporter, as a journalist, for you personally, what, has, what have been your highs and lows of covering the session – and then I want to get into kind of the latest breaking news of the day. Um, I would say breaking the story that UPD is going to be disbanded was a pretty big highlight for me because yeah. that is something we had exclusively that no other um, uh, media agency in the, in the market seemed to have that day. How did you find that? Um, how did I find that? I'm trying to think back. Um, oh, well... We saw the bill come out public from Representative Jordan Tusher, and obviously being up here every day, I was able to just get a chat with him, and in that chat, he flat out told me that a substitute version of the bill was coming out to um, get rid of UPD, to basically disband it, and so it was just kind of right place at the right time. Yeah. Sometimes that's all the stories turn out to be, is you're in the right place, and you can get the right interview at the right time. I so. was hoping you are going to make that sound more cloak and dagger, like I was. I met a source down in the parking garage <laughs> underneath the Capitol. Well, I do have sources, too, who, who often feed me tips, right? And then I can follow and pull on those threads. So I did get one of those, too, to say, hey, we've heard some rumblings about this. So 
it kind of peaked my ears up a little bit, but in talking, the, the first version of Jordan's bill was, or Representative uh, Tusher's bill was public, and then um, he was able to tell me about that subversion that was, that is going to get disband UPD. So that was kind of midway through the session. And then, gosh, we've had a ton of highs and lows. Obviously, the first two weeks, like everybody else, was wall to wall, just two breakneck issues. Yeah, we really confronted some of the most difficult issues right out of the gate this session. Yeah, we really did. But it, I'll be honest, it's felt like every week this session has been a new theme week and a new mm. big issue that's popped up. We're making some significant changes in different aspects of our state. You know, a lot of times bills up here get very technical and weedy. Like we have to fix a lot of things, right? Yeah. We just have to like clean up laws. We have to change a comma here or the definition of is here. And those are always kind of boring. But this year I felt like there were so many high profile bills that some of those ancillary bills kind of fell by the wayside. And I, I feel guilty about that because I know they're important and I know I want to yeah. inform Utahns of everything we can, but there's only so much capacity and so much availability of local journalists. Yeah. So. I think back to my time on sort of the other side of this uh, back and forth that you're on the media side and I was the spokesperson for Governor Herbert's administration and we try to kind of, you know, decide when something would come out and try to keep things in, you know, enough to, as we would say, feed the beast, make sure that the reporters had something to We talk know about. we're just a pawn in your game. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, when no, done, no, when no. done correctly, <laughs> when done correctly, maybe to a certain Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor... You'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. But it, it felt like this year there weren't um, what I would always refer to as like red herring bills. Not that they weren't important, but like, oh, this is something that will catch the media's attention, even though it's not that important. Right? Okay. And so like the only one I can really think of this year that may have hit that, the, not that changing the state flag isn't important, but like compared to cutting taxes or, you know, making a change to the food tax that also impacts the way uh, that we that we uh, designate money for education. Mm -hmm. Those are like big substantive things. Yeah. And the flag is sort of something that nice is definitely going to drive a lot of clicks. Right? Yeah. People are going to listen to it and have an opinion on it. And I just uh, I wonder if you've felt the same that like there hasn't been a lot of that kind of distraction type things going on. It's been really substantive in the things that have gotten done. Yeah, we have gotten into a lot of policy, which is always good, right? Um, but we've also seen a lot of those nitpicky bills as well. Just be honest about that, where it feels like there are bills, especially when it comes to school curriculum, mm -hmm. that are um, kind of, I know I've talked to a lot of education groups who feel a little bit uneasy about what's coming out of the legislature this year. So there's always two sides to every story, because in the same breath, we have 
created record funding for education, right, and public education. So we've got that money piece that I know lawmakers are touting, but I know education groups feel a little bit uh, leery of some of the bills coming out this session. And what is the latest on that? You were you were mentioning you had an update. There was some breaking information yeah. coming from the Senate uh, on some new developments regarding this deal potentially. And what we're talking about, listeners, is we're talking about a effort to remove the constitutional earmark on the state income tax. Right now, that earmark uh, requires all income tax money in Utah to go to education and solely education. Legislators are working toward removing that earmark so there's more flexibility with education funding. Yeah, so the initial uh, play was to remove it, but now we're just going to amend the language in the Constitution in order to uh, satisfy those in education who want the constitutional protections of what uh, gets funded through income tax. Like you're mentioning, income tax can only fund higher ed, public ed, social services for kids and people with disabilities. We've you know, expanded some of those um, earmarks in the last couple of years with Amendment G. Um, but we just learned from uh, Senate leadership that Senator Ann Milner now says that you Utah's superintendents and local school boards and the Utah State Board of Education are on board with some new proposed language Mm. that's going to um, basically create a statutory funding framework every year for public education. And those are just big words to say. Every year, we're going to put a bill in the base budget. We're going to fund education, whatever that means. Now, there's been some back and forth about, yeah, but every year a bill can change. And when there's not revenue growth, what happens to education? So those have been some of the back and forth going on between education. But we have yet to see the uh, constitutional earmark bill pass. It came up in the House this morning, and then they circled it, which just means they paused. They didn't discuss it, right? And so um, we're waiting for that to come back up again, but we've seen the proposed language. It is online. And so it creates this statutory funding framework. Um, It uses a portion of money to uh, adjust for revenue growth and um, for student enrollment and inflation. So education is getting a little bit of protections there when um, there's more or less kids in the system, right? Well, and I think it's an important point to note that You know, if our listeners are wondering why the education community would be negotiating this at all, there is a concern, uh, as I understand it, on on the education side, that their revenue is dwindling as the income tax rate is reduced. Mm -hmm. And there's talk that the legislature may at some point eliminate the state income tax altogether, which it is, would essentially eliminate the earmark altogether, right? So yeah. there's there's some incentives for education to come to the table, I, I, I should say. Yeah, there is incentive for them. But at the same time, they're very, like I was mentioning before, they don't feel super trusting of the legislature right now mm. because of what happened with the school voucher bill in the teacher raises, tying those two issues together uh, just was something public, public education does not speak support school scholarships or school vouchers, whichever you want to call them. So they didn't like that. And there's just a little bit of tension there between those two groups. And so at the same time, I think lawmakers understand that they have to have education on board to support this because historically, when you try to remove the earmark for the income tax, uh, voters are a little bit like, "Eh, don't touch our education funding. Like there has got to be a whole public education campaign, like this whole media blitz. And we're talking about a 2024 ballot measure. Yeah. And then, and then once all this happens, the food sales tax will come off in 2025. 
there's a lot to this. <laughs> yeah. If it gets passed by the public, right? So yeah, right. and there's right. another legislative session, right, yeah. uh, next year before any of this would happen. Yeah, and they're taking really essentially two big issues. One, like you say, that the legislature has tried to figure out how can we have more flexibility in the budget. Yeah. Right? And then the other one, the last couple of years, is we've had a big push to take off the food tax, so they get to say, hey, public, we're good to do this if we can do this. Right. Which one's yeah. more important to you? Yeah, but Which I think tying want? issues together, and, and some people see that as holding things hostage, and that's turning some people off. Mm-hmm. Lindsay Ertz, KSL News reporter, thank you so much for joining Inside Sources. Coming up next, Marty, we have Senate President Stuart Adams joining us. Listeners, stay tuned. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.